0: from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show.
1: Monday Night Football. Why don't we start by going to Mexico City, where we exported our most treasured, cultural pride and joy, the most popular thing that we have to share with the world, the apex of American sports. And by all that, of course, I mean... Garbage time. Garbage. Lots and lots of garbage time. An entire quarter plus of garbage time. Because the Niners did beat the hell out last night, and this game was over long before the fourth quarter, this game was essentially over. The second Debo Samuel took this reverse to the house on the very first drive of the second half. Samuel gets it.
0: Trent Williams out in front of him. Are you blocking? Debo. End zone touchdown.
1: What a play! No flags. Another one for San Francisco. And another one. And another one.
2: You want another one? No. You want another one? One more right there.
1: That was essentially the story of the Niners night. And another one. And another one. You want another one? And another one. Even Jimmy one? G went off. Excuse me. Himmy G. Himmy Garoppolo. At least according to one Jorge Kittle. I me mean, look. Himmy Garoppolo is running off the field right now. I'm going to go join him, but this is incredible. There goes Himmy Garoppolo. Himmy Garoppolo and Garoppolo his four running- TDs. All of his weapons. And what do you know? CMC fitting in beautifully. They're taking advantage of him perfectly. When you've got weapons like that, when Hemi has got options like that, CMC, Kittle, Debo, Elijah Mitchell, Brandon Ayuk, when they're all clicking and they're all firing on all cylinders, then that offense is overwhelming. And last night, everything was clicking. Last night, they were completely overwhelming. And that's before we even get to the Niners' defense, which pitched another shutout. Well, at least in the second half. Another second-half shutout. That's three straight games, four times in the last five games. If you haven't noticed, what I'm getting at is the Niners are putting it all together. And if you haven't noticed, they are finally hitting their stride, getting healthy, everything's coming together. I guess what I'm saying is, if you haven't noticed— They just hit first place in the NFC West, and it feels like they're nowhere near as good as they can still be. The Lobster Jr. told his squad after the game, quote, everyone dominated in, quote, all three phases. Kyle Shanahan was exactly right, and so was Debo, when he declared it a, quote, great win in Mexico.
3: Great win in Mexico! Niners with the dub, man, let's go!
1: Esla dad. that was a great win in Mexico. Major in statement Mexico. in Mexico. Statement being, the Niners are scary as hell once again, and they're only going to get scarier. And as good as they were, the Cardinals were just that bad. Completely off the rails. Last night was a bloodbath, and there wasn't a damn thing they could do to stop the bleeding. Some cards... Look like being on the field in the fourth quarter was the absolute last place in the world that they wanted to be. Not all of them, some of them. I mean, where the hell was the referee to step in and stop that fight? Because clearly Arizona was incapable of defending itself and was taking unnecessary punishment. The kind that can lead to irreparable damage. They were out on their feet. Now they're 4-7, and Their quarterback is banged up. So is their backup quarterback. They've allowed more points than any team in the NFL this season. And right when you think they cannot sink any lower, they do. Let's not forget, this team actually was 7-0 last year. Kyler Murray was a legitimate MVP candidate at that point. They had the look of a legitimate title contender. They actually did. They were 7-0, and they weren't playing close games. That wasn't one of those situations like, where I keep saying, how was Minnesota 6-1? How was Minnesota 7-1? I wasn't saying, how was Arizona 7-0? I was saying, damn straight they are. They weren't playing close games. They were blowing people out and beating the hell out of teams. But since that 7-0 start last year, they're just 8-13. and And you want to know what? Honestly, it feels so much worse than that. And yes, Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury did get new contracts this offseason, but it doesn't really guarantee anything, especially as it relates to the coach. That's not going to guarantee him job security. And Zach Wilson, Zach Wilson cannot believe the way folks are rushing in to bury Kyler for his lack of preparedness and professionalism. Man, you know it's not good. You know it's not good when folks are actually arguing that the team might actually respond better to a 36-year-old journeyman like Colt McCoy. You know, because he's a pro's pro. Because he prepares like one. He carries himself like one. He delivers the ball on schedule like one. He's focused on every single detail the way a pro would be. Can you imagine anyone making the argument that Colt McCoy gives them a better chance to win than Kyler Murray? And the fact is, It's not the worst debate ever. Far from it. Far from it. Let me stop right there for one minute. Not to get all preachy on you, but maybe it's just me. But here's further evidence that you better be where your feet are at all times. Be where your feet are at all times. Appreciate everything you have have tremendous gratitude and a sense of urgency. Otherwise, and maybe it's just me, but otherwise you will wake up and look up and freaking Colt McCoy will be 36. Is it just me? How the hell did that happen? How is Colt McCoy 36? Colt McCoy being 36 is way more shocking to me than TB Bacon 45 being 45. Amazing. Anyway. In other words, things could not be going any better for the Niners or any worse for the Cardinals. But do not take my word for that either. Take it from Himi G himself. Yeah, the anthem was really cool. The, the whole atmosphere tonight, uh, I haven't played in the atmosphere
2: or anything like this. It was electric. The fans were nuts. They were cheering throughout the whole game, which uh, you know it seemed like a soccer game at some point. It's just the, the passion that they brought and everything like that. It was, it was
1: really cool. I would love to do it again and you know, appreciate Mexico for everything. I'm sure you did, Guapo. Except I don't think Arizona did. And way to arrive, San Francisco 49ers. Way to arrive. And I don't mean just the way they're putting the pieces together, which they are. I'm talking about their actual arrival. Their literal arrival. At least in the case of their quarterback, Himmy G. My man was dripped out in a tailored red suit, looking like the leading man in a daytime soap. You know, generally like he does, except times 10. I mean, say what you want about this guy, but he does dress to win. And then ESPN had to go and back up that footage with Colt McCoy, looking like he was trying to find some lawnmower convention. And again, I'm all about Colt. Really respect Colt. I really do. I'm just talking about the look. I'm talking about the fit. I'm talking about the lawnmower convention that he was looking for. He looked like he was about to have to convince security to let him in the stadium. Colt even got destroyed by Bob Griffin on Monday night countdown. Jimmy G
3: has handled things. He's handled it it
1: unbelievable
3: Twelve it's notes from that. Look at that I across the
1: tips on his hair? What's and cool, Colt McCoy expected to get his second straight start for Kyler Murray tonight. What well,
3: do you look, think of the Colt Is coach?
1: that a sunburn or just a bad camera angle?
3: <laughs> <laughs> I just
0: told Colt this morning he was starting. <laughs> well, Where'd you suit at, man? And put your
1: suit on. I mean, damn, Bob. I thought there was a QB fraternity. You just put Colt in the ground. Is that a sunburn or a bad camera angle? Where's your suit at? Wow. Where's the suit at, man? Put your suit on. Maybe he knew. Maybe he knew it wasn't worth it. Anyway, that clip basically does sum up the entire night. That game was essentially over as soon as Hemi showed up in that red suit. And if he keeps showing up the way he did last night, they are going to be contending for a Super Bowl again. Hey now, are you craving some protein after a good workout? Of course. Can I tell you, I'm starving after every workout. So, this time, do not make a shake or eat a bar. Grab a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper instead. Why Old Trapper? Because Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty and it's tender, and it's made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a wood fire. And Old Trapper is a family owned business that takes smoked beef extremely seriously and you can taste it in every single bite. I mean, who wants dried out, rough beef in a bag? Nobody, it's like eating a shoe. Old Trapper though is the real deal and it comes in four amazing flavors. Old-fashioned, is sweetened with a touch of brown sugar goodness, teriyaki, peppered, and hot and spicy for those who like to take things up a notch. So next time you want a great protein and energy snack that you can have anytime, anywhere, grab some Old Trapper beef jerky. Look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. That way you can see exactly what you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. If you don't see it, clones, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what is your beef? I'll tell you this, though. As badly as RG3 did Colt, I don't think that's even in the same area code or zip code of how Brandon Ayuk did this anonymous cameraman. Touchdown, San Francisco! Second touchdown catch of the night for Brandon Ayuk. Look, we're not on TV, but allow me to paint the picture for you. He scores his second TD of the game, and as soon as he crosses into the end zone... He fires the football into the crotch of a poor, defenseless cameraman. I mean, like John Elway and Dan Marino could not have thrown a tighter laser than he did.
3: Dan Marino.
1: And you know that dude wasn't rocking a cup. Why would he? His cameraman falls to the ground like his legs disintegrated underneath him. I mean, you could just feel it. I'm nowhere near Mexico, and I can feel it. And then you had some laughing by the players because, after all, what's funnier than a guy getting busted in the junk? Love to see America's funniest videos built an entire empire on baseballs, blasting dad's packages for decades, and wiffle ball bats, and the like. But then again, anybody who's ever been there has got empathy, right? Because we've all been there. Well, maybe not there there but something like that Christian McCaffrey checked on the dude Brandon felt badly he gave the dude a hug clearly it was accidental and it was all in the moment but then again maybe it wasn't I don't know maybe Brandon has an aversion towards cameraman camera men camera people like I don't know A lot of people want nothing to do with clowns. You see a clown, you run the other way. You see a clown in full clown gear walking towards you, you sprint the other way. Maybe camera people freak Brandon out. How about my guy, former NFLer Eric Berry? Universally respected. Incredible guy. Incredible player. He doesn't want anything to do with horses. I love horses. Absolutely love horses, amazing animals. My man Eric Berry is one of the most courageous, toughest guys I've ever spoken to, yet he gets shook anytime he gets anywhere near a horse. Oh, hell no,
3: nah. They go that horse. I don't f- with that horse. Huh? That horse. got wait till they got, to the horse pass. I don't met with horses, bro. Straight up. Might come over here and throw a tantrum.
0: Stay inside
3: the box, stay inside the box. Oh. Hold up, Colt, that horse out there. Oh, boy. Oh, she need to go on ahead with that horse guy now. I don't fool with no horses, boy. Go on ahead and drive that other away. You don't
0: like the horses,
1: Hell the no. I seen the first ain't worried about the
3: tick. I'm worried about the horse.
1: Absolutely incredible. My man's the best. Well, that That is one of my favorite reactions to anything. Oh, hell no. Oh, I don't mess with horses. I have. And it goes badly. He's right. He's right. Especially thoroughbreds, but man, I love them. Anyway, people have things, right? I don't know. Brandon, I'm all for celebrating. And I'm always against legislating the emotion out of a very emotional game. But what the hell, my guy? That would be like a Packer doing a Lambo leap and just cold cocking cheeseheads once landing in the stands. I mean, why not have the O-line pick that cameraman up so you can give him an atomic wedgie? I'm telling you, man. Dude threw a better ball than most quarterbacks I've seen. Right in the package. Ah! Ann Arbor. Mike in Ann Arbor. Mike, what's going on? Good to have you.
0: Hey, Rome. uh, Did Alvy ever cut a fresh steak off a a cow after a a bullfight in Mexico City? Come on, Mexico. Keep up with the the bullfights and stay away from football, guys. All right? All right. Now, the Lions just trampled the New York Giants. Come on, dude. I told you, Screener, there's a lot, a lot of money going to Vegas, not to Detroit, not to the uh, New York uh, suits that, uh, you know, pay your bills, man. And now – The big game, the biggest game of the year. The first quarterback in that game with 100 all-purpose yards is going to win that game. Hey, Rome, I love you, and uh, we'll see you next time.
1: My man, I hope so. Wow, Mike, that's pretty wild. Have you ever experienced the flavor of actual live fire cooking? We're not talking about a fire pit in the backyard. This is about the big Green egg, the ultimate cooking experience. I know you know about it because the second I got mine and I started talking about it, people were rushing up on me like they knew. They wanted to talk about it. It's because the egg is the most versatile grill you're ever going to own. I'm telling you, you can grill, roast, smoke, sear, and even bake. Yes, try a pizza on the egg. It will amaze you. It works. It's incredible. So stop wasting money on grills that you have to replace every few years. We've all been there. We've done that. It gets old. Forget the pellets and the knockoffs, too. Listen to me. Roll. With an authentic big green egg, it is a ceramic marvel. It's backed by a lifetime warranty. That's right, a lifetime warranty. It is simple to light. It is easy to use. It works without a power source. You don't have to plug anything in. So with the playoffs and the holidays approaching, you cannot beat a smoked turkey on an egg. How cool is that? And it makes a great gift. And they've got two models that are perfect for tailgating. The best part is you can have it delivered right to your house for free from a local dealer in your community. That's right. Shop online at BigGreenEgg.com. Have it delivered to your house for free. That's how I did it. It was an awesome experience. That's BigGreenEgg.com. And yes, you will thank me later. Andy Staples is my guest. Andy, what's going on? How are you?
2: I'm doing great, Jim. How are you doing?
1: Good, dude. Good. Great to have you back. Let me start right here. It's Ohio State-Michigan week, and you wrote a great piece for The Athletic yesterday saying that every team in the Big Ten, Andy, should be rooting for Michigan in the game. Why is that?
2: I, I think people took that the wrong way. That they thought I was saying that they should they should like Michigan or something. What, what they should be rooting for Michigan, the reason they should be, is because if Michigan can beat Ohio State, or even if this game is, is very competitive and, and Ohio State wins... Then it's a signal to everybody else that possibly Ohio State completely dominating the Big Ten is over. That Michigan figured out a way to close that talent gap, which was was pretty huge, and maybe there's a model that can be followed. And maybe the Penn States of the world, and the Wisconsins of the world, and uh, the USC's of the world, who are then are, you know about to come into the league, maybe they can also build a team that can take down the Buckeyes or at least compete with the Buckeyes. Cause you know, that's the problem is from about 2017 to 2020, there just wasn't anybody really to compete with them. They would lose the occasional game if they lost focus, but they were two touchdowns better than everybody in the league. That game against Michigan last year showed they don't have to be. And this year, Ohio state can either bring it back to the status quo or Michigan can say, Hey, guess what? We're going to be here.
1: I get it. I know exactly what you're saying. Now, Annie Staples joining us. Let me ask you this. It's not that Ryan Day needs this game. Far from it. But how big is this game for Ryan Day?
2: It, it is big. And it's, it's interesting because those of us on the outside are looking at it and going, what's your problem? Ryan Day has lost one regular season Big Ten game. That was at the Michigan game last year. Like, there's nothing going on wrong. Everything's fine. But Ohio State fans who are used to a certain level of dominance are going to freak out. If they lose this game, because you're not allowed to beat everybody else and lose to Michigan. Just ask John Cooper. It doesn't work that way for Ohio State fans. They're they're much more like an SEC fan base, like an Alabama or LSU or Georgia fan base, where they're like, no, 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 you compete for national titles or else. And so they will be the ones all over Ryan Day if Michigan winds up winning this game. All All
1: right, so what about the matchup itself, Andy? Biggest game of the year in the Big Ten. Both are a bit banged up right now. Who do you like coming in? So
2: I, I have no idea who's going to win this game, Jim. And it's interesting because we were talking about this on my podcast, and, and one of my co-hosts asked me, if Michigan hadn't won the game the way they did last year, what would your assumption be? And I'm like, oh, probably Ohio State and, and probably by more than a touchdown. But because Michigan won the game the way they did. And, and it feels like when Jim Harbaugh retooled his staff after that horrible 2020 season, it feels like he retooled the program to compete with Ohio State, to beat Ohio State on this day. And they, they are tougher up front. And really, I, I do think Michigan's offensive line should be pretty good. They should be able to run the ball. Hopefully, Blake Coram can play. You know, we saw him get hurt a- against Illinois. He only came back and carried one time. But Ohio State's best running back also hurt. Mayan Williams maybe coming back. And then Travian Henderson ended the Maryland game in a boot. So we don't know for either team what the run game is going to look like. I am very curious – how much pressure Michigan can get on C.J. Stroud, because that was the big deal last year, is Aiden Hutchinson and David Ajabo were just battering C.J. Stroud play after play after play. And if you can do that and get him off schedule, then it does take away some of that advantage of having, like, Marvin Harrison Jr., the best receiver in the country on your team. So how much can Michigan's defensive line get after C.J. Stroud? I think that may be the thing that decides the game.
1: Talking to Andy Staples, big, big matchup. It always is involving these two teams, but never more so than right now. So bouncing around a little bit, Andy, when you look, for instance, at Georgia, when you see Georgia this year, do you see a dominant team? For instance, do you feel like it's Georgia and everybody else, or do you think maybe the SEC is not quite what it used to be and that Georgia, in fact, is beatable, imminently beatable?
2: I don't know if they're imminently beatable. I think you have to have a pretty special combination of talent to beat them, and, and I'm not sure of the teams that are left there's there's anybody outside ohio state that has that level of talent but i don't know that georgia is as dominant as they were last year defensively because it's hard to be (laughs) think about think about all the guys they had that that were drafted off that team you know two two first-round defensive linemen including i'm sorry three first-round defensive linemen, including the number one overall pick and oh by the way the guy who actually may have been the best of those guys still there is jalen carter so I, I'm not that worried about Georgia. I, I think if Georgia plays the way it should, it should win the national championship. Because it's, you know, you look at all these different teams, and like Ohio State, when they've needed to run the ball, actually haven't really been able to do that. Georgia, they they can beat you any way they want. The only the only team that has beaten teams in different ways like that is TCU. Like TCU has found a bunch of ways to win games. But if you just stack up these rosters, player for player you're going to pick Georgia in that game every time, probably by two touchdowns.
1: All right, so if that's the fact, like if Ohio State's the only other team that's got the kind of firepower or star value or talent to hang with Georgia, can you make an argument for anybody other than either of those two teams to win it all?
2: I, I really can't. It's, it's very hard. I mean, if somebody had a great game against Georgia, now, like, let's say Ohio State snuck in there at number four, which the only way that works is if Michigan beats Ohio State and then some stuff happens and Ohio State winds up probably compared to like a 12 and one Clemson, and and winds up getting in, which would mean that USC's lost, TCU's probably lost, but that's about the only way I can see where where they would match up, and Ohio State could beat them, but then somebody could beat Ohio State because Ohio State is is has flaws that can be exploited, and in a championship game, one game situation, not a series, you got a chance, but. If Ohio State wins this game, they're going to go in as, as the number two seed. Provided Georgia wins the SEC and they're number one, they wouldn't see each other till a championship game. So, it's probably going to be one of those two.
1: Andy Staples covering a lot of ground as always. So, Andy, what about the Pac-12? USC had that thrilling win over UCLA that moves the Trojans to number five in the latest AP poll. This week, you've got Lincoln Riley's team hosting Notre Dame, and then likely will face Oregon in the Pac-12 title game, giving them a chance to beat two more ranked teams. If USC can run the table, do you see them making the playoff?
2: I do. I think they're in at twelve and one. I also think if they go twelve and one, which is not an easy feat given the state of their defense, that Caleb Williams will win the Heisman Trophy. And you saw how awesome Caleb Williams had to be for them to win that UCLA game. He will have to be equally awesome against Notre Dame and against. We're assuming Oregon as long as they beat Oregon State could be could be Utah, but we're assuming he'll be awesome again, and he would have to be because their defense is not very good, and it is going to require Caleb Williams to be Superman every single time. And so far, he's been pretty much up to the challenge. So if if he can pull that off, I would expect him to be raising the trophy in New York.
1: I agree with you. Andy Staples joining us for a few more moments. You know, Andy, we could talk. In a minute, maybe, if we have time, about Lane Kiffin and Auburn and the like. You know, what I'm really curious about, though, I'm curious about where you think Deion Sanders is going to end up. And is there anything at all to rumors about him maybe being in Colorado?
2: I, I think it'd be interesting. I think Dion would be great as a, as a Power Five head coach because he's going to recruit a great roster. I think he's shown you at Jackson State, he understands how to staff a program. You know, they, they do have a talent advantage where they are. But he's also done a good job of picking, picking assistant coaches who know what they're doing. And in a lot of cases, assistant coaches who were very good players, who maybe had not been through the usual kind of grind of going through a graduate assistant and all that. And it makes sense because, you know, Dion's thing is, like, in the time I would have been doing all that stuff, I was busy being the best cornerback in the world. And there's value in what those people bring, too. In fact, maybe more value in what those people bring. So I, I can't wait. I, I hope that he winds up at a Power Five program. Colorado would would be probably the toughest of the ones that's open right now. Like, I don't understand why Arizona State isn't crawling over broken glass to try to get to him. Like that doesn't make Seriously, sense. Seriously, why why
1: do you think that is? I agree with you. Why do you think that is? I don't know. I, it's, no, they're they've
2: got they've kept the the same AD who hired Herm Edwards but they've brought in a special assistant to the president who was the president of Robert Morris university. seems like he's going to be the heir apparent to the president of Arizona state. Who's a former college football player. He's, he's the one making the hire. So they've been pretty tight lipped about it. So I may be completely wrong. You know, maybe they're talking to him. Maybe they've already interviewed. I don't know, but that's the one where I feel like you could get a roster there because one, there's always a bunch of great quarterbacks in the Phoenix area. You're a short drive from LA. All you got to do is tell those linemen from the Midwest. Hey, come on a visit in November and you'll never want to leave. And all of a sudden you've got a talented roster that in what the PAC 12 is going to be, can be really good every single year. So, I mean, I, I would, I would have, that would have been my first call if I had been there.
1: So Andy Staples joining us. Let me sidebar before I send you out, Andy, you, you look great, dude. You sound great. (laughs) How do you feel?
2: I feel amazing, Jim. I, I, uh, you know, I was doing pull-ups this morning. Two years ago, I couldn't do a single pull-up. Like, it's, it's awesome. So, uh, Yeah, just just trying to uh, eat less, work out more. and uh, That's going to be my diet book. It's going to be called Eat Less, Work Out More. Eat Less will be on the left-hand page. Work Out More will be on the right-hand of the ha- page. Yeah, we'll I, don't, I don't own.
1: know, dude. That sounds like a fad, right? That, what, what, <laughs> exactly. what, what, what's next? Uh, consume or burn more calories than you consume? Is that going to be the next book?
2: That, that's, that is the sequel. And uh, listen, I'm not planning on selling any books, Jim.
1: Dude, uh, yeah, but you know what though? I mean, dude, you look amazing. Like for those who do not know, like what transform? Because I'm all about reinvention, transformation. You clearly did this physically. What prompted it? How much weight did you lose?
2: So I lost about 65 pounds total, and I put about probably 10 pounds of muscle back on. But I went from 280 down to to 215, and it was my family and I went on vacation in 2020. And I was looking at the pictures of it, and I looked like Charlie Brown. My head was so fat, it looked like Charlie Brown's head. And I was just like, I don't want to be this person anymore. I don't like it. So I started doing a couple different things. I started intermittent fasting. I started counting calories. And I've I've been able to keep at it. And instead of looking at it like a diet where there's an end goal, and if I hit this weight, I'm done, I looked at it like, this is how I'm going to live the rest of my life. And it's actually been pretty – once I lost the weight, it's not bad because you know how much I love food. I still get to eat some really good stuff. I just – a little more in moderation and you make sure you're, you're working out. And it, it hasn't been as, as bad because I, I thought it would be torture, but I, I'm, I'm loving it. And there's some, you know, there's some stores I can shop in now that I certainly couldn't have shopped in before.
1: I love it. I love hearing it. And to your point, it's a lifestyle. It's not a diet. You're not denying yourself. It's a identity move. It's a lifestyle. He is Andy Staples. Andy, really appreciate it. Great to have you back. Thank you so much.
2: Thank you. I appreciate
1: it. I'm talking with Jay Woods of OmegaTaxCredits.com, who is describing the businesses that have benefited from a tax refund via the Employee Retention Credit, the ERC through the IRS. What kind of companies have come through as a result of hearing me talk about this message on the air? Can you give me some examples? We have a uh, Best Pizza. It's in Brooklyn, New York, 12 employees. We were able to qualify them for $56,000. We were able to gap another $56,000 for them, and they were ecstatic. We had a medical professional company in San Diego with 200 200- 150 employees get $3.5 million. Their workforce was deemed non-essential by the government, and so they had a huge revenue decrease, and that's how they qualified, and they they are one of the groups that really maximized this credit. We've got a group in Kansas that's also an employment agency. They've got 72 employees. We were able to get them $167,000. And that's just three of the companies that OmegaTaxCredits.com has helped. There is time still for you to apply and determine if your small business qualifies for a tax refund like this. You've weathered the pandemic and the economy, so see if you qualify OmegaTaxCredits.com Dr. Dave Dave, what's going on? What's up, Jimmy? How's it going? Good, dude. How about you? What's up?
0: Good, good. Just wanted to make the clothes in the jungle aware Keep an eye out on Jeopardy today You might just see me on there Competing for my lifelong dream You said I'd never get on there, Jim But I I did So you will have
1: fun watching me today Alright, that's something Let me, re- Let me react to that Dave? You just said that I said that you would never get on Jeopardy and that I will have fun watching you today. I would call into question the veracity of both those statements. Number one, I don't ever remember saying, and knowing you, Dave, if I did, I'm sure you could produce evidence that I did, but I don't remember ever saying that you would never be on Jeopardy. Why would I say that? I couldn't care less if you were on Jeopardy or not. So I don't know why I would say that. I don't really give a damn about Jeopardy. Number two, when you say, today is the day that I am appearing on Jeopardy, so I think that you will have fun watching it. I can, without, I mean, unequivocally, I can state that's not a true statement. I will not have fun watching that because I can promise you I will not watch that. There there is no amount of money or any incentive to get me to watch that. And by the way, dude, didn't I just tell you that today is our Wednesday? It's far and away the gnarliest day of the week during the NFL season. It's the busiest day of the week during the NFL season. I can't even spend time with my family. Do you think I would take time away from that to watch your episode of Jeopardy? Can you imagine how that would go when I've got to call either DraftKings or my manager, Craig Kitchen, or the big head and say, you know what? Sorry, y'all, I couldn't prepare for the podcast. Ah, probably something came up with the family, right? No, something came up with Dr. Dave. Who? Dr. Dave. Who's that? Doesn't matter. What came up with him? He appeared on Jeopardy. So therefore, I could not do any of my prep work For Jim Rome's big head bets. What is don't give a damn? Correct. What is would not watch that episode if it was the last episode of any show ever on TV? Correct. What is there is no amount of money to get me to watch that episode? Correct. What is why did we even take that phone call? Correct. What is clearly it went better for him than all of his phone calls, or he wouldn't be hammering us that he's on? Something decent must have happened. Because why would you direct us to it? What is I regret taking that phone call? Correct. Anyway, hey, Chuck, really quickly, jump on the mic for me. This is the first I've heard of this, but apparently this is not the first time he has said this, is it? No, it's not. He he uh, he buzzed me to let us know that he filmed it when he filmed it, and then he's checked in several times since. And did he give any indication as to why he thinks I care? Um, Not really, no. Just really badly wanted the clones to watch. So badly, he also called the voicemail on the podcast and left multiple voicemails vets. <laughs> What is awkward? Correct. What is extremely weird? A- anyway, Correct. Dave, you got it, bro. You got it. Now everybody knows. What they will- thanks, Chuck. What they will do with that information, I have no idea. I know what I'm going to do with that information. Absolutely nothing. I know what I'll do with that information. Forget that I ever heard it. Jim, you're the one who said that I would never be on Jeopardy. No. I I might have said, you're the one that I never thought would be a doctor. Come on, bro. I never said that. That that, that sounds more like me. I I don't give a damn if you're on Jeopardy or the $25,000 Pyramid, Price is Right, Wheel of Fortune, freaking Joker's Wild, Card Sharks, Family Feud, the greatest game show ever. Actually, I don't want you being on that pressure Don't Don't jack that up, dude. I don't want you on that show. Dude, you are the whammy. You're that little whammy that comes up, Dr. Dave. No Dr. Daves. No Dr. Daves. No Dr. Dave. Stop! Oh! Imagine those contestants back in the day. No Dr. Daves. No Dr. Daves. No Dr. Dave. Stop! Oh! Love that show. That is one thing I did one show to the kids. I'm like, hey, you want to see a game show? You want to see an old school Cool-ass game show. Let's go to YouTube and call it up. And the kids were actually fascinated by it. I used to love those game shows. Anyway, anyway, dude, bro, whatever. Now they know. The clones know. I know. I wish I didn't know. But I'm a good guy, so I'm here for you, Doc. There it is. When we return. When we return, we'll... I'm sorry for that. I apologize for that. I apologize to absolutely everybody for that. He, he just wanted that out there badly, yo. He's left multiple podcast messages on the voicemail to let us know. Apparently been tweeting about it, calling Chalk. And Chalk held him at bay long enough to say, you know what? When the episode re-airs or airs, call us the day of. And I'm sure Jim will be happy to discuss it. You got that half right. We made good on that, but I was not happy to discuss it. Dude, shouldn't you be saving children's lives? And, that, and if you're a doctor, what are you doing on that show? Don't people go on that show? Do they go on that show to flex their IQ, or do they go on that show to make money? And, dude, I thought you were the one that tried to tell us that you had such important things to do, and you were making such a difference in this world by saving children's lives. Doc, you're the one who said that. So what the hell are you doing messing around on Jeopardy? Doc. Doc, 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 Dr. Dave, Dr. Dave. My son can't breathe. Yeah, I'm really sorry about that. I have to go to the Jeopardy studios. Correct. My man, you can't win for losing. Even if you go on some kind of Ken Jennings run. All right, so... That was an incredible waste of time. How am I going to explain that to my bosses? I, I don't know. Suit number one. I just, I got pissed, man. I got, he won. He sucked me in. I got hooked. Here's your sports update, because it is the bottom of the hour. Here is Marco Belletti. Are you craving some protein after a good workout? I always am. Listen, this time, don't make a shake or eat a bar. Grab a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper. Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty and tender and made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a wood fire. And it goes with you wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach, anywhere at all. Look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you, clone. If you do not see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Oh, Trapper, what's your beef? We are joined by Nick Nurse. Nick, it is always great to have you on the show. Nick, how are you?
3: I'm really good, Jim. How are you today?
1: Good, Nick. Good. Great to visit with you. Thanks so much. I would imagine for you, Nick, already it's been a really interesting season. It's a long regular season and normally 17 games is a pretty good sample size but you've had some injuries, you've had some illness. That said, do you have a sense of what you have this season and what are your biggest takeaways thus far?
3: Yeah, probably not the sense that I thought I'd have about twenty games in. You know, I kinda always earmark twenty games at the start of the year to kinda really evaluate, you know, who we are and, and where we can go and things, but it's it has. It's been geez, I don't know, I'm playing like a whole different lineups it seems like almost every night and uh we're getting a little thin on numbers. Um uh, just recently here. But, you know, I know a lot of teams are having injuries. So probably the biggest takeaway right now is I'm seeing some of our um, guys who were deeper in the rotation. We're getting a lot of minutes. I mean, some of them, I've got a couple guys that were DNPs that are now starting and they've played pretty well. So we've, you know, we've got a chance to see some of these guys. So not, not a great feel for who we are. I, I did like, I thought we were heading in the right direction before a couple of the big injuries, but We'll have to wait and see, I think.
1: I think that all makes sense. Nick Nurris joining us when you talk about big injuries, of course. You start with Pasco Siakam. He's been out with that adductor strain. I mean, life without your best player, obviously, is always going to be a challenge. I know he returned to practice yesterday. How did he look in non-contact work? And then any idea how close he is to being ready to play again? Yeah,
3: he's done, he's done pretty good, Jim. He's back uh, yesterday and today. Pretty much, uh, I mean... Uh, we don't have much contact at all on practice days right now, so we pretty much goes through the full practice uh, and did everything the last two days. I think they're trying to uh, really ramp him up at the end of this week, Friday, Saturday, with some speed and and possibly some live, you know, three-on-three or something, some some contact. And and we're hoping, you know, we got a a couple-game road trip next week where we go to uh, New Orleans and Brooklyn and we're hoping he makes it back for one of those two next week on the road.
1: There you go. Nick Nurse is joining us. Now, Nick, you can't call a guy who's in his 16th year a revelation, but how pleased are you with the way that Thad Young has stepped up in Siakam's absence, and what does he bring to it in terms of basketball IQ and acumen?
3: Yeah, he's been really something, Jim, because um, he was kind of DNPing or playing very little, um, and – he frankly, wasn't playing that well. wasn't having much impact. I know he was only getting short little stints, and then we kind of get put in a bind where we take him from DMP to starting, um, and then we started him at the uh, at the five, the center position. He's a bit undersized for that, but he just settled in really good there. He was playing, you know, very good both ends at that position. He was passing great from the high post. He was rebounding adequately at both ends, scoring pretty good, and, and just looks uh. He looks fresh as a daisy out there right now.
1: It's, awesome. it's really interesting, Nick. Like, for instance, has he done enough to warrant, like, an increased roll at the five and more minutes when Siakam does come back?
3: Yeah, probably. I mean, we're pretty we're pretty young. Um, our rookie, Christian Koloklos, has been very interesting, although he's been a little up and down, like, way up and, and a little down, um, you know, kind of like a rookie would. But he's, he's been a nice surprise. We actually moved him into the
1: starting lineup
3: for a while. I would imagine Thad and Christian probably share that starting the five, depending on who we're playing going forward.
1: Raptors head coach Nick Nurse joining us. You know, Nick, I'm on the outside looking in, obviously, but when you talk about young players being up and down, like Scotty Barnes obviously was amazing last year in winning the Rookie of the Year. Tell me I'm wrong, and if I'm wrong, I'm wrong for sure, I'll accept that. He seemed a little uneven to start the year. Is that a fair assessment, and has he been playing with the type of juice and energy that you've come to expect of him of late?
3: No, it's a fair assessment. He has been he's been really he's played more like a rookie this year than he did last year, meaning he's been like spectacular, um, and then not so good you know on certain nights. and um, I think last year he was kind of more he'd find a way to impact the game pretty much every night. You know, Even if he didn't really have his scoring game going or the ball just wasn't going in, he'd still be um, pretty impactful in the game. He's had a couple games where he hasn't been that way this year. I will say this, his defensive intensity and that some of the things he's been doing defensively have been on the uptick. Like he's really taken some challenges and guarding some really good players, and, and he is a hell of a defensive player. Just kind of got to keep him... You know, it's, it's, it's kind of knocks and bruises and things like that. He's playing through him. He's done a hell of a job doing that. Just kind of got to keep him just a touch healthier, I think, and he'll feel better out
1: there, Jim. Talking to Nick Nurse for a few more moments. Nick, speaking of guys doing a good job defensively, OG Ananobi has dealt with injuries in each of the last two years, but he's been locked in, right, this year, averaging 19 and 6 per game. He leads the league with two and a half steals per game. What has his two-way game meant for you so far this year?
3: Yeah, it's really good. He's he's always been a really good defender, Jim, and and uh again, he's been out of most of the last two seasons. Um so we haven't felt that for a while, but that's back. Like he's really darts into passing lanes, sticks his hand, you know, you know, secondary defender will poke the ball away. Um, usually good for one you know, one interception down for a one on zero dunk you know, once a night and those are big plays, man. So um he's been great. Um With Pascal out, he's getting a lot more uh, chances and opportunities at the offense, and it's been really interesting to watch him kind of be our fourth quarter closer. You know, getting rep after rep. You know, three minutes in a tight game. You know, coming down, it's been interesting to see it, see him develop there. He's not quite there yet, but he can see it. You know, on the horizon. So he's been. A pleasant, pleasant surprise
1: this year. So Nick, before you go, you've got the Nets tomorrow night. I'm curious, Ben Simmons had his best game of the year Sunday. He went 22-8 and against the Grizz. As you look at the film and you see more from him, do you see him starting to assert himself more? What's he look like to you?
3: Yeah, to me he just looked like the way he used to play, you know, a few years ago. He's, he's great. He's, he's on the glass. He's pushing the tempo with the dribble or the throw ahead. He's really good at, at throwing the ball ahead and getting it out to them. Other wing runners, um, and he's way more assertive. And he just looks like the rhythm has come back to me. I know, I know, it's only been one or two games, but sure, sure looked like a totally, you know, flipping passes, lookaways, you know, just a total different confidence that I saw the first time we played him. I mean, that was the second game of the season. so It's been, it's been a minute, but but he just looks like he feels a lot better out there rhythmically
1: to me. Hmm. So one last question, Nick. You don't win a championship like you did without having great players. We know this. But you also need a world-class culture that's going to run throughout the entire organization. You know, frankly, it's been a minute or two since I've spoken to Masai Ujiri. But I've always had such great, great respect for him, obviously, and his passion for the game. I'm curious, Nick, Like, how would you characterize the nature of of your relationship. In other words, how much space does he give you to do what you want to do and need to do? And at the same time, how helpful is he in giving you what you need or want to accomplish your goals?
3: Yeah, good question. I mean, listen, he is, um, he's just what you said. The, the desire, passion and stuff he has to, to create a championship, uh, culture or win championships is, is why we get along so well. Like, you know, I, I mean, as a coach, I'm getting up every day and thinking about how can we how can we get this thing to the playoffs and, and make a run at the end of the year, you know, no matter where we are now. That's the way he thinks. And, and as far as giving me space, we, we talk a lot about um, philosophical ideas of how we're playing and what we're going to do. We talk a lot about philosophically about what kind of players we want that also align with our culture. Um, really, really good. Jim, I'm really lucky, really blessed. We don't... We don't have uh, any uncomfortable moments. We're really on the same page. Isn't
1: that amazing, right? Like you just said, Nick, we don't have any uncomfortable moments. I mean, I wonder how much of that, Nick, is about. I mean, obviously, you both have great desire and you want to win, you want to be successful. But how much of that is about both of you having curious minds?
3: Well, I think the the desire to to kind of do things that only impact winning, you know, is, is right there, you know, probably one. And you know, he's encouraged me from the, the moment he even interviewed me that, you know, we want you to do things different and and create and keep creating. And, and uh, that's been part of kind of, you know, who I've been. And it's really, I don't know, it makes it easier to try stuff when your boss is saying try stuff. <laughs> you know what I mean? We're not we're not going to come down on you. You do something really silly that doesn't work. And I just say that all the time. we A lot of things we try don't work and we just throw them right in the, Right in the garbage can when they don't move on to something
1: else. I love that, Nick. It's much easier to try stuff when your boss is telling you, go ahead and try stuff. <laughs> He's he the head coach yeah. of the Raptors and a damn good one. NBA champion, a former coach of the year. Toronto, nine and eight on the year. They've got the Nets tomorrow. Nick, appreciate the relationship. Always great to have you on the show, Nick. Yep. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me, Jim. Thanks a lot, man. Great talking to day. you, Nick, as always. One of my favorites. All right, so I don't know if Lane Kiffin, at this point in his life, is better at coaching college football we talking bleep. I just know this, man. He is really good at both. Really good at both. And yes, Lane Kiffin haters. Even you better start putting that proper respect on this guy for his coaching ability and his coaching chops. Because if he wasn't good at what he does, he would not be the hottest name connected to, the highest profile job in the country right now. Sorry about that, Nebraska fan. Arizona State fan, Wisconsin fan, talking about the Auburn gig. And he is. And he has been for weeks. It's been a lot of speculation, a number of reports and rumors that have been flying nonstop since Auburn parted ways with Brian Harson. And these reports suggest that Lane's days in Oxford are numbered. Yesterday, a reporter from WCBI in Mississippi named John Sokoloff, took it a step further. Sokoloff reported that Lane was planning to step down at Ole Miss and then head over to his or their SEC West rival. Sokoloff fired off this tweet, quote, Breaking. Hashtag Ole Miss. H.C. Lane Kiffin. Plans to step down as the Rebels coach Friday and head to Auburn to become the Tigers' next head coach, according to sources. Sources say the Tigers haven't officially offered the job to anybody yet, anyone yet. So, Lane to Auburn is happening story soon. End of tweet. All right, so that's pretty emphatic. Enter Bleep Talk Lane Kiffin. Of course lane saw the tweet and of course lane did what he does i don't want to say did what he does best because the guy does coach pretty damn well but he also talks bleep pretty damn well so he did what he does quote that's news to me john nice sources hey john all right so even a response is solid enough most guys just would let that go most sec coaches would let that go They wouldn't respond. Lane responds, but you knew he wasn't done there. That was not nearly a strong enough response for Lane Kiffin. So Lane, and by the way, find me one other coach. I don't even mean an SEC coach. I mean a coach, a power five coach, a coach that matters anywhere that would do something like this. Find me a coach who does what Lane Kiffin then proceeded to do. Body bag this dude with a press release of his own. That's right. An SEC head coach, not a clone. It's incredible. An SEC head coach and not a clone tweeted a picture of a similarly worded document saying that Sokolov was leaving his TV station to take a job with a different TV station. Lane posted it in statement form like it reads like it looks like a statement an official statement quote breaking news John Sokoloff of hashtag he hashtagged it hashtag WCBI news in Starkville Mississippi plans to step down as lead anchor and head to hashtag WLOX to become their new lead anchor sources say WLOX hasn't offered the job to anyone yet So John to W-L-O-X is happening story soon. End of quote. Straight freaking fire. That's the head coach of Ole Miss just ethering a local news dude and his report. Like Lane does not miss. Have some, Sokoloff. And if I'm an Ole Miss honk, Haughty bleeping toddy. That sounds like good news, doesn't it? Now, does that mean that it's a lock that he's staying? No. Does it sound like he's staying? I would say after something like that, unless he's looking to repay the dictator by letting him off the hook for the greatest job denial ever.
2: I'm not going to be the Alabama coach. I shouldn't even have to comment on this. I think I've said this over and over and over again.
1: Now, this fight may not be over. It sounds like, it feels like, he body bagged that cat. And Sokolov is down. Except for one thing. He did not, at last check, take his tweet down. He may be down, but the tweet's not down. But the dude did not take his tweet down after Lane thumb thugged him online. And by the way, the guy seems to be sticking to his report. So he may be in the protocol. The ref may have already counted to eight, but the ref ref may let him continue the fight, and this might not be the end of it because, because. Follow me on this. While everybody is rushing in to stomp on what they believe is Sokolov's corpse, there is somebody who matters who does have his back, somebody who matters a hell of a lot, somebody who I personally respect a hell of a lot, somebody who, believe it or not, has ties to this program. Somebody who was actually a former member of the XR4TI. Think about that for a minute. All right, I'm going to ask you to do something. Think of everybody who has ever come through this house, and then ask yourself this. Of all the people who have ever worked on this show, who have ever worked for and or alongside Rome, who do you think Rome respects and admires most of all? It would seem pretty obvious, right? Now, keep in mind, this is not a popularity contest. I'm not asking you to tell me who your favorite XR4 TIR is, current or past. I'm asking you to tell me which current or former staffer do you think that I relied most heavily on, had the most respect for, the most admiration for, the XR4 TIR with the greatest integrity, passion, grit, and grind. You look at it that way, and it's no brainer. This staffer, this person I'm talking about, has this journo's back. Sokolov. How do I know? He follows Sokolov on Twitter. And if he follows him on Twitter, he has his back, and that speaks to his journalistic integrity. But the guy that I'm talking about is a person of immense integrity. A person with, I'd even argue, the most integrity. And when he left this house, I didn't say it at the time, but I can say it right now. It hurt. It cut deeply. The show has not been the same. It hasn't. We've all had to double down and work so much harder. I admit it. The show has not been the same. We've been chasing ever since. You know who I'm talking about. You all do. You know that I'm referring to Ross bleeping Geller. That's right, Geller, a dude of outstanding principle. If he deems Sokolov to be a trustworthy fellow, then he must be. Because you name one person in the history of this program and brand with greater integrity than Geller, Geller, a.k.a. Dasmati, who worked his ass off to get what many would consider a dream job, working here. Only to quit, quit several weeks later. I mean, hell, several hours later, several minutes later, several seconds later, the second he took the job, he not only quit the job, turned his back on me, he quit a job, one of the best jobs in a glamorous industry to become a city employee. So, he could better serve the people of Alhambra or Monterey Park or wherever the hell he went than to serve you clones. So, clearly, you know what? We've done our due diligence. You look a hell of a lot like Geller, but you know what? You're hired. Sorry, I quit. Wait, what? You're hired. I quit. No, no, you're hired, Geller. You can't hire a guy who didn't accept. I quit. Anyway, that entire town, whatever town it is he went off to, if not the entire state, would vouch for Geller given that he chose public service over being here. And I don't mean being a congressman or a senator. I mean being a civil servant over one of the best gigs in Hollywood. And if a man of that intestinal fortitude and integrity backs Sokoloff, Who's to say? Maybe this dude's right. Maybe Lane is going, even though Lane just body bagged this cat, whoever he is. Maybe he's right. How do I know? I don't know. I just know that a man of immense integrity, Geller, follows him on Twitter. Stay bleeping tuned because there should be some clarity coming not long after the egg bowl. Who you got? Who you got, clones? Lane or Sokolov? Who you got? Lane thumb thugged him and put him in a body bag. But Sokolov's not backing down. Who you got? Lane or Sokolov? I'll take a side. Me? I'm taking Dasmati. Because no sooner than I hired Dasmati. He told me I could take this job and shove it. Fact is, it all comes around. I I got a feeling in a couple of years, we will all be asking Dawes for a job. Yo, Dawes man, I I know this. I've been in this business a long time. You pass the same people on the way down as you do on the way up. So, my dude... Consider this my audio resume. Daz, I know we will all work for you one day. I, I wouldn't be surprised if you were the President of the United States one day, Daz Here's my audio resume. I am a great communicator. I have some leadership skills. I love most people. No, I love people. Some people. Hey, hey i probably qualify for graffiti removal hotline operator. I can do that. Dawes, I can plant some trees. Maybe help with animal control. I can cut big red ribbons at the opening of new parks. I can pass out flyers for the new pickleball court in the new city park. I'm your man, Dawes. Baseball bat, get this guy a pickleball racket. Baseball bat, get this guy a tennis racket. I don't know. So before you assume that Sokolov doesn't have that right, understand, Geller follows him on Twitter. See, we dig deep. We're sourced here. Sokolov, I'm sure, has his sources, and I've got mine. Dasmati. It's one of my favorite jungle stories ever. The guy quit. It's not an easy job to get, and he earned it. And he came highly regarded, and he quit, not to take a better job in this business, but to get out of the business altogether. Okay, fine. So what, you want to go be a lawyer? You want to go be a doctor? You want to go back to grad school? Nah. Nah, I want to be a civil servant for the city of Monterey Park or Alhambra. Dude, better man than me. I didn't deserve you, Dawes. You're right. You rule, bro. At Tommy Roller tweets, I'm not gonna be the Auburn football coach. Sign Lane Kiffin doing his best Nick Saban impersonation. I shouldn't even have to comment on this. I I, I don't at this point. See, like Saban, Saban being Saban, the goat, but also the goat of red asses. Him being so absolutely infuriated to be asked that question and saying, "I shouldn't even." have to comment on this anymore and then taking the job means that that will be played in perpetuity he could win 50 natties and that would stick to him forever lane on the other hand even if he does take that job it won't even matter that he did what he just did because it's so funny what other sec coach whatever division one coach even would do something like that lane's just having fun with it all man lane like i said lane doesn't miss Just the dude's too much. And then literally has the game to back it all up. Only Lane could do that. That's how you get Lil Wayne to drop a track like that about Lane Kiffin. You know how good you have to be at talking bleep to get Lil Wayne to do that? Amazing. And yet somehow Dasmati is right in the middle of the whole thing. How did that happen? Good night, night.